We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host Nick Filato. Tonight is a very special night because the Giants just wrapped up their third of their first three OTA practices, the first one available to the media, but more importantly, because it's my birthday and it's Daniel Jones's birthday. I'm not a big birthday guy, never have been, probably never will be. Not a big me, me, me guy, I guess is the best way to describe it. I don't really post to Instagram or any of that stuff, but I do think it's pretty cool that Daniel Jones and I share the same birthday. I remember when he was drafted, that was like one of the first things. I looked up his age. I wanted to see his age that he was drafted at, saw his birthday, thought it was cool. I knew immediately, Nick, when I saw that he was May 27th as well, that he would either be an absolute disaster or he was going to be the greatest next coming. And I think we're kind of in that range right now where he has to prove himself or he is a disaster. So he is kind of, we may get one of those two. I think it'll be one way or the other here. I don't think we're going to see like, I don't know, something in the middle there. I don't know if this is going off the rails here, Nick. But again, it's my birthday, so I can kind of do whatever I want. At least that's how I, that's what I've heard. Hey, do whatever you want, man. (laughs) You be you. Happy birthday, by the way, to you, Mr. Dan Schneier. It's pretty awesome. I always heard, though, bro, that Gemini males are are problematic. I don't really find you or Daniel Jones to be problematic. I think you guys are pretty stable personalities. Yeah, Geminis have a bad, I I don't know, bad rep. They have a weird, well, first of all, here's the thing with horoscopes. Let's get into horoscopes. We can dive deep in the (laughs) Zodiac side. Let's get into the Zodiac stuff because... So first of all, Geminis are supposedly, I guess, like you said, problematic, argumentative. I think I, I have it. some side of that. And supposed to be too, two-faced, which I don't consider myself two-faced no, at, at all. all. Not at all. And I don't like that. And I remember one time I was on one of these apps. I believe it was Bumble or uh, Hinge. This was about two years ago. And I started talking to this girl. 
really good looking girl i was really excited about and that's not why i was excited i thought she had a nice profile too she seemed to like some of the things i liked it seemed like this could have been a potential match so we start talking and within like a day or two of the talking she starts to go into the zodiac uh the whatever it's called zodiac, zodiac stuff a lot and she and so first i'm like playing it off i was real funny like here i guess i'm a gemini whatever what are you and then like she start kept bringing it up and bring it up and then she like went deep as deep as to say like so i know you're gonna be two-faced like and she started like saying all these things that i'm going to definitely be because i'm gemini i was just like this is just not going to work out (laughs) and so like i stopped talking and she's like why did you just stop talking to me i was like i'll just be honest with you like this probably won't work because i don't think you can tell me what i am just based on like what month i was born and i'm just sorry she's like there's a lot of science behind it she starts telling me like all this stuff about like how like you know and i'm like you You dodged a bullet then i think i did dodge a bullet there but always always think of that when i think of the zodiac stuff i always think of that one girl who kind of was really big on telling me what i would be without ever ever met me yeah i know people someday they really think they know a lot about somebody just because your freaking birthday it's one of the one of <laughs> the more odd uh, crazy things to me it's pretty odd but let's talk a little otas and i will start by saying this nick as far as the otas go this was the first one where the media had access i want everyone to take a step back with otas i know we're all have that insatiable hunger for Giants football. We want to see stuff, but I'll be so honest with everyone here, and I think you're going to say the same. Me and Nick have a lot of plans to break down a lot of 2020 game film over the next couple months, put some of it on the YouTube, put some of it on the podcast. I think we can learn about 25 to 100 times more from the game film than we're going to learn at these OTAs. Now, there are some things that we can take away that we're going to learn that I think are important I want to expand on. For example, Carter Coughlin today was practicing with the inside linebackers. That's good, mm-hmm. but hearing about Daniel Jones being shot and Evan Ingram getting a lot of targets when Galladay wasn't even there and all the guys were and not dropping quote-unquote passes when you literally see a video highlight of Jones just lofting a ball to like literally just throwing it up with ease no pressure to Ingram and the defensive back putting his hands up to not to avoid contact and Ingram catching it and quote-unquote not dropping it like this is not anywhere close to a live game situation they're installing plays they're installing concepts and they're getting a feel for each other out there and and guys like Coughlin for example are starting to learn a new position and play a new position I think those are the key takeaways and I just want to make sure that everybody's on the same page with like what we can take away from OTAs do you have a different read on it or do you feel similar no I feel the same exact way man you put it pretty well there it's all about just let's get to 2022 we can take away what we can from the Carter Coffins lining up on the inside. I think it's good that, and we'll get into some of these other things. Lorenzo Carter was out on the field looking good. That's something really great that we can see and witness. But in terms of schematics and X's and O's, you're not going to glean too much from an OTA practice with yeah. all the media there. Yeah, and it's the X's and O's, the schematics, and it's also just the produ- like the actual production yeah. on the field. That, to me, is meaningless. Everett Ingram, quote-unquote, not dropping passes. I really don't want to hear that again. Like, <laughs> I'm done with that. But let's go on to some of the things you mentioned. I mean, Lorenzo Carter was full speed, running, and cutting. That is big to me because he is not one full year removed. Nine months to almost 10, you know, from that injury, and that injury is supposed to take a little bit longer. So that shows what kind of goes back to what you said on one of the last few podcasts, the mailbag, where you're like, this is a different level athlete. We could see that on his film. And that could also help him in his recovery, I think. I think you saw that with Emmanuel Sanders, who came back off the torn Achilles. And according to Tom Rock, beat reporter, he said, Carter looked trim and quick. He was working on spin moves and even made a leaping interception. Carter's coming off that Achilles injury. So that, to me, was a really good sign. It's an absolutely excellent sign. He was injured in that Week 5 game against the Dallas Cowboys, and it kind of got overlooked because Dak Prescott ended up... uh, 
getting injured in that same game. I think it happened like 10 plays into the game too. So it was really, really early on. And I honestly do believe, man, if this kid didn't get injured, we would a lot more people would know who Lorenzo Carter was. I think he's a unique athlete. He has the bend. He can convert speed to power. He has everything you want in an edge rusher. He's good against the run. He has the demeanor that you want for a run defender as well. So I just... We're just not really certain how, yes, we see him running and cutting, but how is he going to be able to take on blocks? Oh, there's still yeah. a long way to go. I don't know if he's going to earn early snaps, but this is a great sign, a very positive sign. And it's something, one of the things that we can take away from this, the fact that he is cutting. Because all the videos I've seen of Lorenzo Carter this offseason was him doing hand fighting stuff mm-hmm. and him showing his quickness and reactive ability with his hands, which is obviously good with hand fighting and being a pass rusher. That's very, very necessary, but to incorporate his legs into this says a lot so let's just hope that he can maintain this through the summer there are no setbacks and then we can have him week one to start opposite of Aziz Ojolari and that I think would be my ideal starting edge position I don't know about you Dave same with you that is easily the most ideal and highest upside edge combination and remember like what we talked about and both Nick and I had Carter as one of our if you put a gun to our heads last offseason said Who's going to break out this year for the Giants? I mean, going into the 2020 season, last season, we would have both had Carter and easily our top three. And it wasn't just because of the, it was a lot to do with the traits you mentioned, but also because we felt like there was unlocked potential there that was being kind of hidden in that James Betcher system because he didn't always have opportunities to pin his ears back and rush the passer. And with Patrick Graham, like we talked about all the players Patrick Graham unlocked with the system last year, Blake Martinez, James Bradbury. We thought that Lorenzo Carter could be that perfect scheme fit. And so I think if he can get back to full health, and again, it's not always going to happen with these Achilles guys, but it's possible. Emmanuel Sanders showed it's possible. If he can get back to full health, the sky's the limit. And like you said, that's the highest upside combo. And just having a healthy Lorenzo Carter, like that's just another healthy pass rusher that you can insert here and you can use him on early downs. You can bring him on third down if he is fully back to form. You have Aziz Ojolari, Ellerson Smith. You just look at this position and juxtapose it to what the Giants had last year. It's just just night and day man this this position group is so should be so much further advanced than what the giants had in 2020 and that giants 2020 defense was freaking solid man if they can replicate that then this team should be in a position to possibly win this division and then you add odenabo to the mix who was wearing uh i think 44 today and lining up with the outside (laughs) linebackers love to see that number it's a good number for an edge guy you just look at what you just said i mean all they had to do was invest a cheap free agent contract which i thought was great value in odenabo based on what he's put on film a second and a fourth round pick and with all that plus the Carter comeback if he can make his athletic comeback you already have such an upgraded unit while wow, you didn't even have to focus a lot of resources there so I do love that it's not even bringing up Zimenez either yes and not even bringing up O'Shane who I guess I'm a little bit lower on than most but I, I still hope for the best there too the next thing I thought was really interesting was that we did see Will Hernandez at right guard today we saw something that we had been projecting the whole offseason. There was a lot of speculation about it, but there's no confirmation about it. You know, yes, he was working on the position. Yes, Duke Mannyweather said, or I believe it was Duke Mannyweather who said, uh, you know, we've done all this stuff this offseason to kind of retool his brain to being a right guard. But you still needed the confirmation, and you saw it today. And actually, I want to talk a lot about the offensive line because despite the fact that Nate Solder was there in attendance, the offensive line from left to right as the starting line featured Matt Paired at right tackle, Will Hernandez at right guard, Nick Gates at center, Shane Lemieux at left guard, and Andrew Thomas at left tackle. So two things we got confirmed. Not only is 
you know, Will Hernandez is going to be that right guard, or going to get the first shot at right guard, but also Matt Parrott is going to get the shot over Solder already. There's not going to be this thing like we had last year with Pert rotating in, maybe he wins the job, maybe he doesn't. He's going to get the first crack at this job, and I don't think he's going to give it up. Yeah, I really hope he doesn't, to be honest. And honestly, Dan, like this is what I expected it to be. Like I know other people who cover the team were, were floating out the idea that it was going to be Solder or mm-hmm. maybe Shane Lemieux would kick the left. It never made sense to me that the Giants would separate Andrew Thomas and Shane Lemieux because they showed rapport. So that right. just likely meant that the guy who ended up getting benched for Shane Lemieux would kick over to the right side unless Zach Fulton won that job, which nobody expected. And then as for Matt Parrott and Nate Solder, I always thought Matt Parrott, and I'm sure you did too, and a lot of people, Matt Parrott were going to get that first crack at that job. I mean, not, Nate Solder wasn't getting the first crack. He is an insurance policy if Parrott or Thomas get hurt or Parrott just falls flat on his face, which I really do not think is going to happen. But like you said, this is further confirmation that the Giants are going to roll this way. We saw some Instagram videos of Will Hernandez earlier in the offseason taking sets at right guard. Hmm. Well, now it's in an OTA, in training camp. It seems like it's what he's going to do and looks like that's what it's going to be. Now let's see if it actually ends up working out. And that's a whole nother camp of worms and you know what dan i'm thinking about that all 22 against denver week one and i'm i'm excited for it man yeah it's gonna be interesting it's that group of pass rushers but also i mean gotta remember like nate solder is learning a new position essentially he has not that hasn't does not have that many snaps there's not many repetitions as a right tackle it is not that easy to just kick over from left tackle to right tackle so he's also a projection too like and the fact that he was not showing good ben and he took a euro from football and he's at an advanced age like at this point it makes sense to have paired out there over solder and it seems unlikely to me that solder is going to start over paired at any point i am have concerns about the swing tackle position i'll be completely honest with you I don't know that Solder could do the job at either spot right now. I'm hoping he can. Mm. You know, he had one point he could. He was actually pretty okay. Before you joined the BBB, he was pretty solid in 2018 tape. Me and Nick used to talk a lot about it, how that media narrative in 2018 was a bit off. Now, that second half of 2018, especially the last few games, he started to fall off completely. So maybe that was a sign of what we saw then in 2019 with Solder. But I know that was still only, you know, two, three years removed. Maybe a year off helps the body. I don't know. But again... If he doesn't, I think he's just off the cliff. I think he's just un- somebody you can never have out there on the field if, you know, he does fall off that proverbial cliff. So I have my concerns there. I'm happy to see that they're not just trotting him out there, giving him the veteran def- deference. I'm happy to see Parrot out there. Well, let's play it out, Dan. If he does fall off the proverbial cliff, say Matt Parrot gets injured in the first drive of the Broncos, you put Solder in there. It's an absolute <laughs> disaster against Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. Who is the next option as a giant swing tackle, say, if Parrott does come back in week two? You know, it, it's Zach Fulton or it's... It's not good. That's Yeah, there's nothing on the wire. There's no, Everybody says, oh, what about you? No, no. There's no there's no quality offensive tackles for grabs. That's not how this works. That's not how it ever worked. And that's... I mean, there was for... I mean, you could have got Massey, but that's not... Was not for, you know, where the Giants were at. Silder was the Giants version of Bobby Massey. Shoulder was the Giants version of a Morgan Moses, who actually I think is really good. And the Washington football team should have never moved on from you can never have too much quality depth i get that he wanted an opportunity to start i get that it's hard to tell a guy who's been your starter well now you're gonna have to be a bench guy for samuel cosby in his rookie season so i get that there's politics behind that decision but there won't be quality offensive linemen this is what the giants have so they better hope pair and thomas stay healthy in my mind or solder returns you know 
Old Solder. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Murphy, they've been using him yes. on the inside. And then you have Jackson Barton, who they signed from like the Kansas City practice squad last year, who's still on the roster. Kenny Wiggins, who I really don't know a lot about, mm. to be honest with you. Me either. He's somebody who is on the roster, though, so just to bring up names. And then Jake Burton, the kid that they signed out of Baylor, who was also UCLA, played tackle, I want to say, at Baylor, but is definitely more profiles to be a guard. But, I mean, if that does fall, if that Matt Parrott experiment, either, you know, he gets injured and it falls down, if Nate Solder doesn't end up working out, it, it could be very, very problematic. So let's hope that doesn't happen. All right, let's get to the fact that this was a voluntary OTA, but there were players who were not in attendance. So let's run down the quick list of that, see if there's anything you take away. But before we do that, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. But <laughs> before we do that, let's take a quick break to hear a word from me, because I want all of you to head over to our YouTube page and please, 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 Give us a like on YouTube on any of the videos. All the videos. Like all the videos, baby. It's my birthday. I'm asking for anything I want. And I want you to go to YouTube and hit the subscribe button. Hit like on all of those videos. Please help us grow that YouTube page. We're going to put content out there. We've already put a decent amount. We're going to put a lot more this summer. But we're not going to do it if you guys aren't going to watch, if you guys aren't going to subscribe, if you guys aren't going to like, if you guys aren't going to help us grow. It's literally a two-way street here. Just being honest with everybody here. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we want to do it, but we also want you guys to help us do it. So that's my pitch. Please head over to YouTube. It should only take 15 seconds of your time. And for those of you who haven't, please like, rate, review, subscribe. Make sure if you listen to our podcast, you don't just hit the listen. You download. We only get paid on downloads, baby. And I hate to say that, but it's the damn truth. And lastly, follow us on Instagram at NYBigBlueBanter. That's our name, Big Blue Banter, with an NY ahead of it. And then also, as you know, every Tuesday night, though it wasn't Tuesday this week, but mostly every Tuesday night, we do... And we'll continue to have live Q&As on Locker Room. But now, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff. And it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Nick, so do you care at all about the following players not being in attendance? Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, John Ross, 
Kyle Rudolph, Lawrence, Dexter Lawrence, sorry, Leonard Williams, B.J. Hill, Austin Johnson, Ryan Anderson, Cam Brown, O'Shane Zimenez, Reggie Raglin, James Bradbury, basically the entire secondary. Dory Jackson, Darnay Holmes, Aaron Robinson, Yidem, Sam Beal. Good God, Sam Beal. I hope to not be talking about Sam Beal soon because the guy opts out and then does this. I don't care about this. I don't really, but I mean, what is that? I don't know what his place right now is, what his thoughts are on being an NFL player, but we'll get to more of that. That's the one I care about. Let's see what you say. Uh, Jabril Peppers, Logan Ryan, Xavier McKinney, Julian Love, and Graham Gano because you know what? I'm a kicker. Why would I go? Yeah, so a lot of these, as you can see, a lot of these guys are clustered in the same position group. A lot of these guys are actually working out together. And a lot of these position groups actually, they, they feel like it's more advantageous to not go to these voluntary workouts. And then they go and they work out with members of their own position off campus, basically. Mm-hmm. So that I, I can't speak to who exactly is doing that. I know Logan Ryan had a lot of the secondary players down in Florida, and they were working out. I'm wondering if Sam Beal was there. So before we kill him, let's let's figure that out. If he wasn't there and he didn't go to this, then yeah, I think that's pretty big uh, indictment on his ability to crack this roster or just his maybe want to be here. Because I don't want to knock him for opting out of the 2020 season. That's his personal decision, and I respect that. But I'll, I, I am curious to see how how much he wants to be a professional football player. I think it's it's okay to ask that question, but I'm not sure if he was down there with Logan Ryan in Florida. So none of that really concerns me. None of these guys really concern me as long as they all show up in shape and ready to go when mandatory workouts come by. Yeah, and a few of these guys were just rehabbing and they were actually they actually were there. They weren't in attendance at practice, which I should have said at first, but they were in attendance just inside. So the beat reporters didn't see them. They were rehabbing their injuries inside. That was Barkley. Kyle Rudolph and O'Shane Zimenez. And as far as Beal goes, man, the crazy thing with Beal is like if you look at his scouting report and if you remember back to when we were scouting him back for coming out of college because the Giants really did use major capital on him. They used a third round supplemental draft pick the year they had the second overall pick in the third round, a year where no one, no other team used offered anything more than a fourth uh, supplemental draft pick. And that might have only been one team. But if you look back at that scouting report and just our own evaluation of him, it's interesting to me, Nick, that his strength was supposed to be press man coverage, right? His strength was supposed to be what the Giants want to move to. So projection-wise, I feel like he should make sense as somebody who could even potentially beat out like Isaac Yidem. I don't think Yidem's that talented. I think he was okay because he was physical in that cover three uh, heavy scheme that Patrick Graham ran last season. But if he's going to change things up and he's going to go more man, to me, there's a lot more upside with Beal. But that's one side of the coin. The other side is, does this guy want to be here? I respect his decision to opt out to some extent, but not fully to be completely honest with you because he was kind of fighting in my mind for a roster spot at the time he was fighting for his career he was fighting to make a name for himself like he did there is no scholarship for a third round pick in my mind especially you know going into this year so at this point I don't know if, he, if the want is there and it I do still see the upside just you know because of that profile because he is better impressed man but I just am curious about if he's even going to be like in camp for a while if we're just going to hear early that they move on from him i'm curious to get some info on what's going on with beal oh i absolutely am too and you know joe judge is really trying to cultivate a locker room of togetherness and and really kind of you know ensure that the entire team has this 
camaraderie around them. And if you're not there and you're not showing up to say where Logan Ryan is with the rest of the DBs, where guys like Jerron Williams are down there training mm-hmm. guys who may not even crack the roster and you're not showing up to voluntary workouts, it's probably not going to jive well with Joe judge, especially in a secondary group that has guys like Rodarius Williams, who are going to be fighting for an mm-hmm. active ro- roster spot in week one guys like Quincy Wilson, who's going to be fighting for a spot there guys like Isaac Yadam, who I think are above all of those guys. Yeah. But still Sam Beal, it's just hard to kind of gauge where he's at. We haven't seen him in a while. We don't know how committed he is quite yet. He could be, for all we know. And I don't want to say that he's not, but it doesn't appear like he is <laughs> from an outsider's perspective. Yeah. A few other notes. Sterling Shepard was rocking the number three. I don't know how you feel, but I thought it looked really good out there. I think receivers look really good with the single-digit numbers. Yeah, it's going to be a transition for me, though, just because it's it's something that I'm not used to. I'm used to seeing 87 out there, but yeah. I'm happy for Sterling Shepard. Yeah, he wanted it. Well, not, yeah, it, it means a lot to him because his father wore yeah. number three at Oklahoma. His father passed away when he was like 10 or 6. So he was really, really young. So it, it means a lot to Sterling Shepard. So it's cool that he gets to don that as a New York Giant now. And he was fielding punts. I thought that was interesting. We haven't seen too much of that yet in his career. No, we haven't. It was Golden Tate's role, though. Yeah. So maybe Joe Judge really just wants a receiver to do that, someone who was really sure-handed. Who better than Sterling Shepard? Good point. I think that's probably most important for a guy like Joe Judge. And it's most important for me. On the return game, shorthanded is literally the most important. Not turning it over is more important than anything you can give me otherwise. I also thought it was interesting to see Jones kind of connect with Dep- apparently Devontae Booker on a nice sideline throw. He had a lot of targets to Evan Ingram. Apparently, he didn't catch, like I mentioned, he didn't catch any. I'm sorry, he didn't drop any of them. So that was good. He was working with Ingram, working with Booker. Calvin Benjamin, according to the Beats, was reportedly moving well and looked comfortable in his move to tight end um, after they said he looked out of place during his first rookie meeting camp trial. I forgot which beat writer reported this. To me, I'm taking this one with a massive grain of salt because nobody to me can look uncomfortable and then completely comfortable from one practice to the next. And I have massive doubt about Kevin Benjamin being a tight end on the New York Giants. Yes, so do I. But at the same time, is that the same beat reporter saying, wow, he looked out of place last week and now he looks, or was this you seeing one beat No, it was one report. One report? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, again, there's no contact. There's no one coming at you. How do you even gauge it? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I think, I I hate to say it because we're not not beat guys here. You know, we are not beat reporters, me or Nick. Um, we I've been to some training camp practices. I've covered the team training camp. I've covered the team at games. I've been in the locker room. I've done three games during Daniel Jones' season. I know Nick wants to get out there and do some games. But with all that said, I do know that when you are a beat reporter, because especially because I used to do a job similar to a beat reporter job, I wouldn't call it a full beat reporter job. I don't know how far back some of you go following my work, but I used to work for 24-7 Sports, where I covered the Giants beat, essentially. We had a Facebook page. We had a Twitter page. I was putting out seven articles a day. And my point is that when you're on the beat, you have to create content. You have to find ways to create content. Some of this stuff, especially in OTAs, when it's this, you know, when we're all craving anything we can get is kind of content. So we'll do our best to kind of sift through what matters and what doesn't. Hopefully you guys find value in that. And one thing I do think matters is that Carter Coughlin was taking reps at inside linebacker. I felt that going into this season, Carter Coughlin was on that roster bubble. I still think he is on the roster bubble. I think this is a sign, by the way, that he is on the roster bubble. It's essentially like, listen, man, we added three new bodies we like on the edge. We're having another comeback in Lorenzo Carter. And so Odenabo, Carter, Ojolari, Ellerson Smith, three of who will definitely not be cut. The fourth, Carter, I guess, has an outside chance if he doesn't return. 
you may have to learn the inside position where we don't have as much talent, where we don't have as much bodies, if you want to crack this roster, regardless of what you can offer on special teams. So I thought it was interesting to see that. What did you make of Coughlin taking reps on the inside? I like it, to be honest, because I like Carter Coughlin. I love his work ethic and his athletic ability as a second-level defender. But I think Cam Brown has the inside track on a roster, and I believe that's deserved because Cam Brown has probably more special teams value than someone like Carter Coughlin. He has the freakish length as well. But I I think you're on to something there where they want to see, okay, how effective can you be? being an inside linebacker and I think if you stack him behind a defensive lineman he can be solid you know I think he has the processing from what he's shown on the edge he lined up inside sparingly at Minnesota but he had the processing and shows ability to adjust through the rep as an edge rusher in college so I think from a mental standpoint he's up to speed but a linebacker is a totally different position where you have to read your keys you have to react you have to fit the run you have to be able to stack and shed blockers from different blocking schemes you know ace blocks deuce blocks pulling blocks you have to be able to do all those things and he has the frame to do it he's like what 235 pounds that's the weight to do it but doesn't really have long arms doesn't really have big hands I don't know if he's going to be able to absorb the contact quickly stack and shed find the football and then make the tackle those are all things that are projections right now now can he develop into maybe the second string guy behind Tay Crowder make one of those last roster spots because he still does have special teams value I think that is possible but he still has to show a lot at that linebacker position he's not necessarily somebody that I want to rely on as that second linebacker if something were to happen to Tay Crowder or Blake Martinez maybe somebody to rotate in on third down you could use him in creative blitzes from the a gap or Mm. off the edge because you can do so many different things with him because he is somewhat versatile in that manner so it's I there's definitely an avenue to where he can make this roster, but if he fails that inside linebacker, they could look to go in another direction, especially if some of these younger edges end up really stepping up and showing that they can definitely ball. Ellerson Smith, Aziz Ojolari, they're, they're solid, but then you also have the kid that they got out of Georgia, Georgia Southern, too. If he ends up coming to camp and really balling out the undrafted free agent, I think his name is Raymond Johnson III. That's that's somebody who could potentially steal a spot, but I, I, still, ha- I still like Carter Coughlin. I think he'll be on the roster. It's interesting. I think that if I had to guess now, Nick, I would guess he's not on the roster. I know it sucks to hear, but I think that Reggie Raglan was signed to kind of play that role that we're discussing, kind of what did David Mayo give the Giants last year, those snaps. I think that's the Raglan snaps. And I actually weirdly kind of like Reggie Raglan. I think he's a professional linebacker. I think he has his limitations. They're obvious. He's not, he's more of an old school thumping inside backer. He's not, he's going to hurt you in coverage if you have him out there for too many snaps. But as far as what they need for, the things you said, like the traditional what you need, kind of the basics to play that inside back. Can you stack and shed? Can you locate? Do you understand how to read keys? And he's so far advanced from someone like Carter Coughlin right now in that regard that I think they can feel more comfortable putting him in on early downs and having him inside if they need. And maybe just him and Martinez are on the field. Or maybe, you know, it's if Crowder gets hurt or Crowder doesn't evolve into who they think he will be or hope he will be. So... And I know Raglan wasn't there today, so that could have also been part of the reason why Coughlin was getting some reps on the inside. But it could also be, like you said, there's just no reps really to give out on the edge. And simple as that, and he's not going to really find his way there. I don't know. I see more upside with Cam Brown. I personally see more upside with Raglan. I think it's an uphill battle for Coughlin this year. It could be. It could be. And I think that we're going to see a little bit more six defensive back formations as yes. well with Xavier McKinney, Logan Ryan, Jabril Peppers, Adoree Jackson, James Bradbury, and then either Aaron Robinson or Darnay Holmes. So you're seeing a little bit more dollar type of formations with that star. So I think you're going to see that. And then you say what? 
there's only going to be five other defenders that are going to be out there. So you could mm. say three down linemen and then two linebackers or three second-level defenders and then Leonard Williams and pick whatever other Dexter Lawrence, you know? So where is Carter Coughlin going to slide in there? Is he going to be stealing reps from Blake Martinez in those situations mm. or either of the edge rushers that they're going to want to use? Probably not. So he's going to be out there like he was in 2020 when there are a bunch of injuries and there's not a lot of talent. But this year, there's more talent on the defensive side. And hopefully that. fewer injuries. <laughs> and hopefully fewer injuries. And even last year, dude, the defense really wasn't that injured, too. Xavier McKinney. Well, edge, besides yeah, edge. Yeah, besides the edge position, yes. yes. Yeah, that's but you're right. Besides the edge, it was really just McKinney, and they had they had pretty good injury luck at corner. And I, yeah, that that's mainly what I'm thinking. And defensive tackle. And defensive which was, tackle, they had great injury luck. They didn't yeah. lose any of the big three. Let's knock on wood. At any point, yeah. yeah. They're going to need that again. I mean, injury luck is huge for any team any year, obviously. There's nothing really to glean from that. A few other quotes that stood out to me, and I'm curious to get your take on. Blake Martinez, on his first impression of Aziz Ojolari, he said he's freaky-looking player. He said he made some great plays out there today, but notes you got to really wait until the pads are on. So far, so good, though. Yeah, I don't think a veteran like Blake Martinez who's been around wants to heap praise on somebody in these mini Not camps. in OTAs. Yeah, mini <laughs> in OTAs when there's no pads and no popping going on. But the fact that he's impressed with just the build of Aziz Ojolari, I think that's cool because he's been around a lot of good edge rushers before. But can't really take away that much from, from these things in terms of, oh, how effective a player this is going to be. Because you don't know. You just don't know what's going to happen when pads get on. But... I mean, you and I are pretty sold on Aziz Ojolari's ability to play football. Oh, yeah. We're sold on his ability to play football. We're sold on his fit in this system, which is honestly ultimately more important as far as the potential impact he can make as a rookie, regardless of the impact he made down the line. This is more what can he do now. And I think the freakishness goes to something you mentioned a ton of times in breaking down Ojolari, both on the NFL game film you broke down from his college film that you guys can all find on YouTube, the Big Blue Bender YouTube page. Nick has a long breakdown of Ojolari, but it's the long arms. It's the arms are freakish. Like, the, how long his arms are freakish. And if you're a defensive end or an edge, whatever you want to call it, having long arms is a really good freakish trait to have. Yeah, it makes sense. Think about it. You have to make contact on that offensive tackle before he gets into your chest. And if you have longer arms, it's better. I mean, think about Aziz Ojolari has significantly longer arms than Ellerson Smith. Yep. Ellerson Smith is six foot six and a half. <laughs> Aziz Ojolari is six two. Exactly. Exactly. All right. A few other quotes also from Blake Martinez. He said, on the on playing behind Danny Shelton. So Shelton, by the way, who we both agree is probably the most underrated signing they made. It's easy to get nose tackle type type. So I don't think it's like the craziest thing ever. The Giants got him for so cheap. Like I get why this happens. The NFL is a glut of these types of players, but it's still valuable to get this guy. And it's especially this guy. There could have been, they could have gone with a lot of other guys at that nose tackle who don't have the same kind of upside. And so he was playing behind him today and he said, he's a really large man. I literally can't see double teams. So there's no way they can get to me. I think he's joking there. He said he stands out as a large human, even on a field full of large humans. Blake said, he joked that he says he can see why Shelton was a first-round pick in 2015 because he's like getting three picks in one. <laughs> he's like getting three picks in one. Well, I mean, I think he's going to be out there a decent amount on those early downs. I think he's going to have that Dalvin Tomlinson role on early downs. The thing was Dalvin Tomlinson would carry that role into third downs sometimes and even into passing situations sometimes. I don't think that's going to be the case right. for Danny Shelton. But, you know, it's first and ten. You want to line up in that tight front with the four eye to the strength, the three tech to the backside, and then that nose tackle to just eat up the A gap and just totally clog and spill the run outside. 
Danny Shelton's going to be your guy there. I don't, I can't think of somebody else who'd be better than him in that role other than possibly Dexter Lawrence, but they like lining him up at the four eye and be like, you know what? You got to block a 340 pounder there and you got to block a 350 pounder in the middle. Good luck offensive line. Good luck offensive lines. That's what I feel like should be the slogan for the Giants defense this year with all these big bodies up, plus the addition of Aziz, plus hopefully the return to Carter, plus hopefully Adenabo, plus hopefully obviously maybe Ellerson Smith. Who knows what they'll get out of that. But good things potentially. Anyway, Nick, anything else from OTAs that you took away or any notes? Yeah, I just, wa- I just want to expound on something you just said. We just like heaped praise on the defensive line, those edge rushers, and how effective that can be. And then you think about the secondary, man, and all the pieces they added to the secondary, and you start kind of picturing this defense, and then you look at who was calling the plays on defense of Patrick Graham. It's a lot of reason to be excited there about the defense. Now we just need this offense to really put it together to make this 2021 be a little bit more memorable than 2020. Without a doubt, the defense to me, as and this is not a homework call in my opinion, it has easy top five potential. Easy top five. It was in my mind, performance-based wise, I know the stats say whatever they were, don't go by yardage stats or whatever crappy stats teams use total defense total offense that means nothing go by important metrics third down defense scoring defense red zone defense and i think they're already top 10 in my mind and they can be top five this year specifically if you do believe like i do that secondary is most important to a defense right now a new age nfl and because of that i really think you're right man i think that Giants fans should be excited about this defense. They should be excited about the potential of it carrying them. Look at the Browns last year. The Browns had a really good defense at times. Yes, they had a really good offense too. But at times, that defense carried them. The same thing goes with the Rams. The Rams, obviously, they fizzled at the end. But for the large part of that, part of that season, the Rams were winning a lot of football games carried by that defense. Mm-hmm. And it still works in the NFL. I think there's a ceiling, to be honest with everybody here. I think there's a ceiling to defense first teams. And I'm not so sure that Super Bowl more than once every 10 years. And we've kind of seen that play out. The Broncos, that Peyton Manning noodle arm year. The Ravens in 2000 when they beat the Giants. Um, I guess you could put that Ravens team with Joe Flacco, though I wouldn't because Flacco had a really good playoff Flacco run. Flacco did, yeah. Really good. So it was offense there. But you still can win a lot of football games with defense first team. And who knows? Maybe this offense can be a lot better than expected. It really is up to a, a three factors that all have potential for growth daniel jones the offensive line and jason garrett yep those are the three factors that i uh, listed on the locker room too to be honest. yeah that's the, it's going to be our talking point for a long time we got to focus in on them how can they get better and we're going to do a lot of that this off season but thank you again to everybody tuning into the big blue banter podcast they're in the dead zone i call this the dead zone it's like you know in fantasy football the people who draft who think that you got to draft three running backs in the first three rounds and so they just pile it on and totally devoid of the fact that there is a running back dead zone. And it's kind of similar to me to this part of the offseason. This is a dead zone. We got to get through it. We will get through it. So thank you for everybody tuning in. We got a lot coming, though. It's not like going to be totally dead. What we're going to do is what we did a lot of last year, which is positional breakdowns. We're going to go deep on every position. Then we're also going to break down 2020 film. We think there's a lot to glean from that 2020 film. So that'll be our focus over the next few months. Obviously, we will report on all OTAs as well, all news surrounding the Giants. But we're going to turn this dead zone into better than the fantasy football running back dead zone. I promise that. All right, everyone. Thanks again for tuning to this birthday podcast. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? 
What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.